Saturday. First and foremost, happy Saturday. Thank you for making us a part of your weekend right here on CBS Sports Radio. And thank you for joining the final big weekend of college football in 2023. It's devastating. It stinks. It's depressing and exciting at the same time. Right? It's quite the dichotomy of feelings. Because it is, I mean, these games are great, and there could be a lot of chaos. We'll, we'll discuss that in a second here. But it's also sad because they, you know, this is a great weekend, and then, look, you get some bowl games here and there, but let's not pretend, we'll, you know, we're going to be excited about the Idaho Potato Bowl on a Saturday. The next big weekend we get is going to be the playoff on January 1st. 2024, a month from now. Depressing. Depressing. But all right, we got a lot of business, though, to take care of between now and then. And first things first, a huge congratulations starts off and goes to the Washington Huskies. They have won the Pac-12. They have beat Oregon. They are going to the college football playoff. Washington proved, though, something on Friday night in their win against Oregon. It's not just that they're a playoff-caliber team. They proved on Friday night, I thought, in Las Vegas, that they're a national championship contender. They can absolutely win the national title this year. With how they played and pushed around Oregon for a large part of that game, they can go toe-to-toe and beat Georgia, Alabama, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, You name it, Ohio State, if chaos breaks, whoever Washington faces in the playoff, they can beat them. They're a damn good team. And they show to anyone that doubted them or anyone that questioned them, they're not a soft, air raid, typical Pac-12 team. That's the stereotype, right, for a lot of that West Coast football. Good passing offense, great quarterback play, but soft. Can't play the big boy football. When it comes down to it. But Washington just showed you they can. Because the team they beat in Oregon on Friday night, that's an SEC team. Credit to Dan Lanning. That's a big reason why I was a big believer in the Ducks. They have built an SEC-like team out West. They're big. They're physical. They're fast. They're obviously talented. But how Alabama plays, how Georgia plays, how they build that philosophy... Oregon models themselves after those programs. And so it it was so impressive to watch uh, Washington on Friday night push them around. Washington legitimately pushed an SEC caliber team in Oregon around the field. They dominated the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage all game was controlled by the Huskies. They ran the ball really well, and that's, again, a sign of a dominant team, ran the ball down Oregon's throats, 157 rushing yards. And what's impressive, too, about the number, it's not just 157, nice number for a team that is known for their air raid offense, but it's also the fact that late in the game especially, Oregon knew the run was coming. And they still couldn't stop it. Early, late, Washington was in a groove, running the football. Oregon sold out. And still trouble slowing down now Washington rushing attack. That shows you the offensive line, how good they are, how physical they are, how technically sound they are, how talented they are. 
They can move bodies. That's a really talented Oregon defensive line they faced. And they pushed them around all game. They moved them where they wanted to move them. They kept Michael Penix Jr. clean in the pocket. But it wasn't just the offensive line for Washington that I thought was very impressive. And why, again, that they show that they are a a true national title threat here. But it's also the defensive line. They control the line of scrimmage on their end as well. Oregon is one of the best rushing teams in the country. Huskies bottled them up. Outside of a few Bo Nix unscripted scrambles off of broken plays, the run game is non-existent for the Ducks. And that's been one of their bread and butter areas. They have been one of the most, I would argue, Oregon's been the most balanced team in college football this year in terms of throwing the ball and running the ball. I don't think a team ran it and threw it at the same time as well as Oregon has. And to the Huskies' credit, they made them one-dimensional in part because of the score, but also in part they just took the run away. Didn't let them run the ball. That's a huge, huge sign when you go against Georgia. If you can make them one-dimensional, that's massive. Michigan, same thing. And there's no reason to believe that they can't. Again, that's an SEC-caliber Oregon team. Big, strong bodies on that offensive and defensive lines that have pushed people around all all season. And Washington did it not once, but twice. Twice to them. That's a national championship medal right there. So they have, like, there are a few prerequisites, right? You got to be strong in the trenches. Washington showed that on Friday night. Got to have a great quarterback. They got one. Michael Penix Jr. is not only talented, he's tough as nails. He's clutch. His accuracy is is unchallenged. Some of those windows he dropped those passes in, I mean, it's truly threading, like, you know, threading the eye of a needle. Dropping beautiful passes, a deep, talented, and now healthy wide receiving core for the Huskies now is back intact. Big-time throws. Didn't panic when they had a big lead and blew it. And that's the last thing, too, is they're clutch. They're not afraid of the big moment. They've had plenty of times this season where they could have folded, could have lost games, and yet they found different ways, relying sometimes on their defense, relying sometimes on their running game, relying sometimes on their passing game, to win them games. They're well-rounded. And we saw that, I thought, on Friday night, especially again, leaning at times on the running game, leaning at times on their defense, leaning at times on Michael Penix Jr. to make some big throws to win them the game. They can beat you in multiple ways, but they also don't flinch. Kalen DeMore is a tremendous head coach. He gets those guys ready to play, but the spotlight doesn't bother him. And so they're not going to be your sacrificial lamb. Right? Not a lot of people were, were predicting Washington to go to the playoff. Some were, not most. And usually when you get those surprise teams, Michigan State back in 2015, Cincinnati back in 2020, like a lot of people are like, oh, they're just happy to be there. They're the sacrificial lamb. You get to the playoff, it's a great accomplishment, but then you are just food for Alabama to slaughter you, for Georgia to slaughter you, for Clemson slaughter you. Not the case. Washington's not going to the playoff to get slaughtered. They're going there to win it. And with how they have played this season, 
but how they beat Oregon on Friday night. They are absolutely title contenders. They are a threat, and they're going to be a problem for anyone who plays them. They can absolutely beat Georgia. They could beat Alabama. They could beat Texas. They could beat Michigan. They could beat Ohio State. They could beat Florida State. Any team in the country, you name it, Washington can beat them. I had questions going into this game. I picked Oregon. Like Honestly, I didn't really think Washington had a big chance to win this game. I was all in on the Ducks. Obviously, the point spread being 10 points was also a big indication of how Vegas felt about this matchup. Washington with a few close calls. Some impressive wins on the road at Oregon State. Number 11 at the time. Tough win, impressive win in the rain, by the way, in the elements. But they had a few close calls. Washington State last week, the Apple Cup game came down to a last-second field goal and a fourth-down conversion in their own end. But again, by the way, that shows you aggressiveness on the coaching, but also execution. Big moment, rivalry game, season on the line, fourth down in your own end. You don't get it. The game's over. They executed to perfection. Washington is tough in the trenches. Don't flinch. Clutch. Run the ball. Can lean on their defense at times. Great quarterback. They check every box you need to check to win a national title. They are a thousand, a million percent capable of winning a national title now that they are in the playoff. But now that they're in the playoff, who else is making it? What other three teams are joining them in the college football playoff? My prediction is this. Georgia's in. Michigan is in. And let's get a drum roll for the fourth and final team. It is Texas. I think the Horns are in. I think Texas is making the college football playoff. Look, Georgia, they're not intimidated by Alabama. And I think that was a factor early in Kirby's coaching career when he left to go be the head coach of Georgia. And even, honestly, in that 2021 SEC title game, I think there was some fear there. There was some doubt of if he could beat the master, beat Nick Saban. And since kind of getting the monkey off his back in the national title game, that intimidation, that fear that Alabama's had over a lot of former Nick Saban assistants is not there anymore. And so that fear being removed is huge for Georgia's confidence. But also, too, I don't think Alabama has the right weapons needed to expose Georgia's flaws. You look since Georgia has started this dominant run going back to 2021. They've had two close calls. One was a loss to Alabama in the SEC title game. The other was last year in the college football playoff semifinal against Ohio State. The commonality in both of those games, one loss and one near loss, in a three-year run of otherwise domination, elite quarterback play. Bryce Young carved them up in the SEC title game. 421 passing yards. All dominated. Jameson Williams, big game. C.J. Stroud, same thing last year. Four touchdowns. Three and change passing yards. What gives Georgia right now fits is elite quarterback play. And elite passing quarterback play. And that's something that I don't think Jalen Milrow is there yet in this game. I think he's improved. I think he's taken a tremendous step from where he was, let's say, week three against Texas. Or I think it was week two, actually. Week two against Texas. 
versus where he is now, he has grown exponentially in, in the passing game. His reads are better. His comfortability in the pocket is better. His accuracy, decision-making, it's all improved. With that said, though, I just don't think it's at the point today where it's good enough to expose Georgia's flaws on defense. I don't think Milrow's play nor the receiver's play for Alabama are good enough right now to take advantage of Georgia and the one vulnerability they've had the last three years. So Georgia, I do think, beats Alabama. Michigan, I mean, the only really question with the Michigan-Iowa game is how many points will Iowa score in the game? I think three. My prediction is score prediction 30-3. to I don't think Iowa is much of a shot. I think they're going to have more punts in this game than they are points. But there's no upset thought here. I think it's going to be a slow first quarter, by the way. I think it's going to be a tight first quarter where Michigan has a few three and outs, maybe even a turnover or two. I mean, again, Iowa's not good enough enough to take advantage of it, so it's not going to matter. And they pull away in the second half. I think it'd be close, close first quarter. But Michigan pulls away and dominates 30-3. to three. And the interesting one is this. Now, I think Louisville is beating Florida State. So I think there's not going to be a decision made here for the committee. But even if Florida State wins on Saturday night, I think Texas either way is getting in over Florida State. Because I don't know about you if you noticed it. I have, though. This week specifically, I have noticed a lot of people going out of their way when talking about the college football playoff to mention the four best teams. I've heard plenty of analysts who, by the way, influence or not, ESPN does broadcast the playoff. I don't think they have any say. They should not have any say. Ratings are irrelevant to which four teams should make it. But I've noticed a lot of people on ESPN have harped on, and they even had it in a promo with Reese Davis's voice coming back from a commercial break. And like kind of promoting like their college football playoff uh, reveal show on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday. They included in that promo for the college football playoff rankings reveal on Sunday afternoon, Reese Davis saying, "We're looking for the four best teams." Bill Hancock, college football playoff executive chairman, basically the president of the committee, was on a conference call on Tuesday night after the latest batch of rankings were revealed. He basically said, look, we're here to get the four best teams. That's it. It's not four deserving. It's not, you know, we got to, you know, reward the SEC and reward the Pac-12. It's we are here to find the four best teams. That phrase has been thrown around a lot, and I think it's been intentional to set the foundation of, hey, if Florida State wins, we're still not putting them in. The committee's not had to make the committee, I should say, has not had to make a tough choice up to this point. But I do think they are waiting for this specific weekend to say, you know what, if we have to do it, we will drop Florida State. So win or lose, I don't think it matters for the Seminoles. I don't think they're getting in. Not unless they get a lot of help. But I don't think they will because I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma State. I think Texas is going to be the fourth and final team in the college football playoff. So my college football playoff field is set. And it goes as follows. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Washington 3, Texas 4. Speaking of Washington, at 855-212-4227, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number 3 on Twitter, 
Do you look at Washington now coming off of their win over Oregon as national title contenders? Do you take them seriously as a team that could win a championship this year? We are talking right now college football playoff. Washington has punched their ticket. They are going to the college football playoff at 13-0, winners of the Pac-12 conference. And they not only are going, they are a real threat to win it. I mean, how many times have we had the playoff where, sure, you get the four best teams remaining, but even within those four teams, it's like, oh, yeah, only one or two really can win the title. You never really have it where you go in and say, oh, yeah, all four teams have a real chance to win the national title this year. Washington is absolutely now on that list of teams that can win a national championship with how they just beat Oregon and how they've played the season. They just beat an SEC caliber opponent at their own game, beat them physically, pushed them around, ran the ball down their throat, threw it over the top of them, got timely stops, aggressive coaching. Everything SEC pound their, you know, SEC fans pound their chest about. Washington just shut them up with how Oregon is built and how they run their program. It's very similar with Dan Lanning coming from, uh, coming from Georgia. Washington just proved they're not a soft, air raid, classic Pac-12 team. They are a real threat that can play any style and play any team. Take note, take warning, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Florida State, the Huskies, are coming. Not only did Washington punch their ticket to the college football playoff on Friday night, Michael Penix just locked up the Heisman Trophy. It's his. Michael Penix just won the Heisman Trophy. Here is why. The trophy is just not about stats alone. Like, if it was about stats and only stats, which quarterback, which player overall has the best numbers, well, then 2021, Bryce Young would have not won the Heisman Trophy. It would have gone to Western Kentucky's Bailey Zappi. Look at these numbers Bailey Zappi put up at Western Kentucky uh, that year. 5,967 passing yards and 62 touchdowns in one year. Almost 6,000 passing yards, 62 touchdowns, both single-season records. If it's just about which quarterback has the best numbers, he would have won. But why didn't he win? Oh, that's right. Because it's not just about the numbers. Wins do matter. How you play in the biggest games do matter. And that's where Penix has LSU's Jaden Daniels beat. It's not just the stats. You need that Heisman moment. You need to play well in the biggest games. Penix has. Daniels hasn't. Let's play a quick resume here. Resume check. Right? Penix versus Daniels. Those are right now the two finalists. Uh, Bo Nix is out with the loss. If you look at both teams, LSU-Washington, they are both very similar. In the sense that both have the same deficiencies. Both Struggle on defense. You look at right now Washington, they are 93rd in the country in total defense. LSU is 101st. You look at their ability to run the ball, neither do it well outside of their quarterback. Like Washington doesn't run the ball well at all. 
They're 103rd in terms of rushing yards per game in the country out of 130. LSU is, is tougher because statistically, all the rushing yards when you add Jaden Daniels in, they're a top rushing team. But a lot of that's on Daniels. Like, LSU struggles to run the ball with their running backs. You need the top four running backs, add their rushing yards up this year to equal what Daniels did. So LSU can't really run the ball outside of their quarterback, and UW can't run the ball in general. So you have two quarterbacks right now in Penix and Daniels who are on teams that are talented but have crappy defenses and can't really establish a run whatsoever. Okay, so that means what then? That means all of the pressure is on the quarterback's shoulders to win them the game. Are you, you can't rely on your defense to win you games. You can't rely on the running game to win you, uh, to win you games. You have to be on point, on your A game, every single week in order to win these games. Okay, so now that we have that baseline of a lot of the circumstances are similar to what Penix is dealing with at Washington and what Daniels is dealing with at LSU. Now that we have that set, let's look at what they did this year. Okay, you have one quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. Go 13-0 in the toughest conference in the country. The Pac-12 was the toughest and best conference this season. Penix went 13-0, unscathed through that tough schedule, tough conference, earned the Huskies a college football playoff berth, and in the course of the season, faced six ranked opponents, went 6-0. On the flip side, Daniels this year went 9-3 and and was third in the SEC West, four ranked opponents, LSU was 1-3. Hmm. Okay. Well, hmm. Both, the game was on their shoulders. One went undefeated. The other went nine and three. One beat every ranked team he played. One was just one and three. Okay, okay. Well, what else, Ryan? What else? Let's just something has to be off here because Jaden Daniels is the is the runaway, right? Like he, he he has to win it. What else can we look at here that says Jaden Daniels? Okay, well let's look at maybe breakdown in game here. Because again, I think the Heisman Trophy it's not just about stats; it's also about how you play in the biggest moments, right? It's like a, it's a story. It is rewarding those who shine when the moments and the spotlight is brightest. In the biggest games of the season, Michael Penix Jr. played Oregon twice. Once in the regular season, once in the Pac-12 title game on Friday night. In those two games combined, Penix has thrown for 621 passing yards, five touchdowns, won both games. So it was carving up a really good Ducks defense twice. Had the tape on him the second time. Still beat him. And now he's going to the college football playoff in part because they beat him a second time in the Pac-12 title game. Hmm. Okay, well, you look at Jaden Daniels. We just said it before. Biggest games of the year. Ranked opponents. Tigers were 1-3. and three. He played poorly against... Florida State had as many turnovers as touchdowns. Didn't finish, not his fault, but that's a fact. Didn't finish the Alabama game. Hmm. What's his best moment? Where's that Heisman moment from Jaden Daniels? 85-yard touchdown run against Florida? That's not a Heisman moment. Your Heisman moment can't be 
against a 5-7 and seven team. Your Heisman moment can't be a great game against A&M that didn't matter because no one was watching it because the season's over. And also, frankly, too, Michael Penning Jr., each and every week, his season was on the line, so he had more pressure on his shoulders because not only is he the biggest reason why Washington wins every week, but Washington's schedule uh, season, I should say, is on the line every week with them being undefeated. And one loss sets them back. LSU, their season is over halfway through the year. Lose the first game to Florida State. Lose in the middle of October to Ole Miss. You're done. Two losses, you're done. So LSU for half the season was irrelevant. Didn't matter. There wasn't that added pressure of having to play to a high level because your team's playoff hopes are on the line. LSU season was done through six games. So that's even more impressive to see what Penix has done when that added pressure of having to be perfect was riding each and every game. So I don't really think it's a debate. I don't see how it's a debate. Daniels has better stats. I'm not going to sit here and argue actual facts, which are numbers. His 50 total touchdowns are more than Jaden, uh, excuse me, more than what Penix has. Total yards, Daniels has the edge. But it's not just about stats. Again, if it was just about stats, we wouldn't even have a vote. We go to the box score, see at the end of the season, who has the most rushing yards? Who has the most passing yards? Who has the most passing touchdowns? Okay, let's give it to him. They are voters because it's subjective. Because you need to break down not only who has the best stats, but also who has played the best in the biggest moments. Who has really carried their team when they needed them to. Who has played up to the level of competition and more in the biggest moments of the season, that defined the college football season. That's Michael Panix Jr. That's why on Friday night with his win over Oregon, he not only is sending Washington to the playoff, he sealed his fate as a 2023 Heisman Trophy winner. Love to hear your thoughts. 855-212-4227. 855 4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter as well. Is Michael Penix Jr. your Heisman Trophy winner for 2023? And from a team perspective, from Washington's perspective, are they a national title threat in your mind? Can they beat Georgia? Can they beat Alabama? I think so. How about yourself? Sam has called from Alabama with some thoughts. What's up, Sam? Hey Ryan. Hey man. Hey, uh, um, I live in Pinson, Alabama, and that's where uh, Bo Nix won two state championships. Okay. So I've been I've been kind of following him, which is the only reason I would care anything about the Pac-12. But it was so impressive how Washington played Oregon's game against them tonight, where they ran the ball, they they controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought Oregon was going to win the game. And they did not. This coach, um, the Washington coach, it's like got a 90% winning percentage as a head coach, is incredible. Their game plan was awesome. You know, I wanted Bo to win the Heisman, and I wanted him to win the the national championship. And I believe you're right that Washington does have a chance to win the whole thing. Uh, This coach, man, he's he's good. I'd never heard of him before he got to Washington. 
apparently he's won a couple of Division Two championships, and he's like a 103 and 11 or something. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I'm shocked, yeah, Sam. Guy. These are big words coming from you in SEC country. SEC fans have believed Man. in a Pac-12 team. Stop the presses. Well, well, you know, I li- I'm a truck driver, so I-, I have to listen to everything on the radio now. But I listened to the first Oregon-Washington game because I've always followed Bo Nix because mm-hmm. my kids went to went to high school with him, you know. And like That's I said, they cool. won two state championships at our school. And uh, and I thought they'd win that one. They didn't. thought they'd win this one, and they didn't. And, I w- and-, and so Washington has impressed me, man. Wow. Especially, especially tonight with uh, – the kid from Mississippi State running for over 150 yards. I mean, they played Oregon's game. They ran the ball. They controlled the line of scrimmage. It, 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 was, it, it was impressive. Sam, you are a million percent right. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate your honesty. Like, I feel like there is – I do feel like there is, like, an SEC bias at times where there's oh, there's, there's no one else on the West Coast that could be anywhere near as good as our teams here. I give Sam a lot of credit because I think he's honest about right. Washington's legit. They got the talent, and they play a style that is not just, again, soft. A lot of Pac-12 teams get labeled that. I'm not going to say that label's incorrect for most of them. USC is a team that perfectly fits that. They're soft. Offensive line is terrible. Defensive line can't get a push. Offensive and defensive line play, I think, is really... One of the reasons why the SEC has dominated the landscape of college football the last 20, 25 years and why they've won most national titles, they make their life easy on both sides of the ball. And that's been an area that other conferences and a lot of other teams have, I don't know if it's just for lack of recruiting, lack of development, lack of awareness, whatever it is, they've been unable to match it. But Washington is different. I mean, again, how they controlled the line of scrimmage, how they just ran the ball at will today, showed you they're just, you're not, they're not just, I should say, your classic Pac-12 team. They're a big-time threat here. And they can go toe-to-toe with anyone right now remaining uh, alive for a college football playoff berth. I want to end this show with some unity. We can disagree on college football playoff teams, Heisman Trophy winner, Should the 49ers be favorites in Philly? We can disagree a lot in the show. One thing, though, I for sure think we're all unified on, and if you disagree, I don't really want to talk to you ever again, is this. For the Dr. Pepper tuition challenge, right, at halftime of all these conference championship games, we got to ban the chess pass. You cannot be competing in a football competition and yet, passing the ball like it's a basketball. Make him earn it. Doctor, do we, do we got to call Dr. Pepper himself? I don't know what he's doing. He's clearly a doctor or something. Get him out there saying, if you're going to throw the football at halftime of one of the most watched games of the season, you got to look good. You got to be back there, look like a quarterback in the pocket, right arm cocked, fire like you're the quarterback, Tom Brady hitting an open receiver. The chess pass is so hard to watch. Come on. I'm not the only one. Kirk Herbstreit uh, on the ABC broadcast today, he's ready to, he's ready to keel over. Listen to him. It's, it's not football. This is a football challenge. 
imagine you had like you know if you go to a hockey game you ever see like where they put like that little tiny hole and you're like at, at center ice and you gotta shoot the puck into like the the hole the width of a puck in order to win a new car imagine if people like throwing the puck in not using the hockey stick kicking it in like it's soccer come on you know it's bad I like Kevin Nagandi a lot. I don't know him personally, but I like him on Sports Center. I think he does a great job doing college football coverage as well. One thing, though, about him, I've never heard him say a bad word about anyone. He has never said anything that has been a, a, of criticism. But yet, even him, he draws the line when it comes to chess passes for the Dr. Pepper Challenge. That's like the meanest thing I think I've ever heard Nagandi say. We, we have to be unified. If I got to write a letter to Dr. Pepper, damn it, I will. Ban the chess pass. Make the kids earn it. I don't care if it's ugly and the only one kid makes one in it and you win and you win the challenge one nothing. So be it. Make them earn the hundred k. Over the top or over the show, the normal throwing. I don't even know how you just the normal throwing motion. That's how it should be done. No more chess passes. All right, my college football playoff predictions here. Georgia 1, they beat Alabama. Michigan 2, they beat Iowa. Washington 3, they just beat Oregon. I think Texas does get in. They beat Oklahoma State. I think Louisville, I mean, you can't even call it an upset, but I guess we will for this case because they're technically underdogs, upsets Florida State. Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Texas. You're four in the college football playoff. James is calling from Atlanta. What's up, James? Hey, how you doing? Thank you for taking my call, my brother. Thanks for making it, man. What's on your mind? I'm sitting up there, I'm sitting up there listening to your your conversation. You real deep with what you're saying. But like I'm saying is Georgia hasn't lost the game in three years. And if they lose and they still be out of the playoff, hmm, that's that's something that makes me puzzle like, okay, the way the playoff system is set up. And another thing you say Well, really faster, James. The, I, I'm not, I don't think you're insinuating this, but just to clear it up. If Georgia loses on Saturday and they're left out, the, uh-huh. the, or the, the two-year winning streak prior to this year, 2021 and 2022, that should not uh-huh. influence the committee's decision for 2023. Like, this is only about this year and how you look. Yeah. Well, like I say, they played in the best conference. I mean, like, overcome. like what they did to TCU last year. Everybody was talking about TCU beat Michigan. Georgia went in there and drug TCU like they did. Is anybody else who they play? Kirby Smart is the kryptonite to Nick Saban. Nick Saban can't beat Kirby Smart. The only reason why well, it did be him two years Alabama ago. was beating Georgia is because of Kirby Smart getting all the five star recruits to come to Alabama. Once Kirby Smart went to Georgia, came back home to Georgia, Nick Saban can't beat him. Number recruiting class James. in the nation year after year after year. Kirby I mean, Smart's beat him one time. Now it's in the national title game, but Nick Saban smoked him two weeks before that. Nick Saban smoked him in 2020 at home with Mac Jones. But Kirby that, Smart's that beat him Kirby, one time. But that's Kirby Smart first year. You're right. That was his first year. But ever since then, Nick Saban's complaining about the recruits. Oh, he paint all this kind of stuff. But Kirby Smart would beat. Alabama tomorrow, hands down, and be ready for anybody else. The Michigan. He beat him in what twenty? Was it twenty eighteen? The the SEC title game. Yeah, uh, he's been a. I, I appreciate the call, James. Look, 
I think Kirby Smart's going to win on Saturday. I think Georgia is going to beat Alabama. Let's not pretend all of a sudden that Kirby Smart owns Alabama or that Alabama's nothing since Kirby Smart has left. Saban's won what? Two national, three national titles? Two national titles since Kirby's left? Been in, what, two other national championship game appearances? And has beat Kirby all but one time? Pun the brakes a little bit. Go back to Bama. Cliff is there. What's up, Cliff? Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Oh, it's going good. Uh, that guy didn't know what he's talking about right there. Nick Nick Saban, like you said, Kirby's only beat Nick Saban one time, and that was in the national championship game. And remember, we lost Jamison Williamson got hurt that game, didn't even play. Yep, and Mechie got hurt the game before. And Mechie Mech- got before. hurt the game before when we beat Georgia in the SEC championship. That's right. My question is, if Alabama beats Georgia, are they in the college football playoffs? Lock, Cliff, they're in. There's no scenario they win and they're left out. It's impossible. Will Georgia get in there too, or are they uh, left out? Georgia's going to need help. I think, uh, Cliff, Georgia's going to need help. Appreciate the call in the sense that if we just played out, Washington is in. If Alabama wins, they are in. Michigan, they're they're not going to lose to Iowa. They're in. The final four spot, or the final, the fourth spot is going to come down to twelve and one Georgia. I think Florida State's losing, but let's just say for this scenario, Florida State wins thirteen zero Florida State and a twelve and one Texas team. I think Georgia's going to need Florida. Uh, excuse me. I think Georgia's going to need Texas to lose. I think Georgia gets in over a thirteen zero Florida State team easy, but because the committee right now has respected the head-to-head. They have kept Texas above Alabama each week. I don't think the committee would put, and I don't think they should, by the way, put Alabama in without Texas. So I think if Georgia loses to Alabama, they're going to need Oklahoma State to beat Texas. That happens, Georgia's in, win or lose. So you'll know by kickoff if Georgia can afford to lose or not because if Oklahoma State beats Texas, to kick off the Saturday, then doesn't matter what happens. Georgia, I think, is in no matter what. That'll do it. Big thank you to Alex's arm. Big thank you to you. Enjoy the college football. We'll talk to you next Saturday right here on CBS Sports Radio.